Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Okay, welcome to uh, episode 44 of White Line Fever. Um, that's one episode for every year of my life. And I'm here with, uh, we're in um, London, and I'm here with the fella I spent New Year's Eve with, along with about a thousand other people, Dan Reed. Dan, how are you? Thanks Hi. for coming on. Oh, good to see you, Steve. Thanks for uh, having me here. What, uh, what are you doing here in London? I'm um, doing press for the new album. Uh, it's called Signal Fire. And yesterday I did a, a radio show for a gentleman named Bob Harris. I guess he was known as Whispering Bob Harris back in the day. Um, a legendary radio guy from the BBC and just a really sweet man and uh, what I really loved about yesterday was his son's working with him and his son's like in his 20s and to see the father and son working in radio together that was quite inspiring to see you know I guess every father would dream of that you're newly a father do you think you might find yourself working with his son one day yeah. music maybe well I know for one, I'm working for him right now <laughs> I, I hope that switches to does you. he pay well yeah no <laughs> He's uh, running the house right now, but yeah, I'm just uh, 11, five months now, uh, became a father back in August 29, I guess, and uh, really opens your mind and your heart to what compassion is all about. You can read about it, you can, for me, I lived with the Tibetan monks up in northern India, and I've always written songs about this uh, element of, of love and the deepness of that, but uh, I never really felt it as much as I have since the day he took his first breath and made his first sound. Now you realize you're no longer number one, yeah, and you, you know your life is based about worrying, making sure he's going to be okay. And there's something about that that's very, uh, very deep and very resonating to me. Yeah, people always say that men don't long to be fathers, but it affects them more deeply when it happens. You know, whereas, which I suppose is a cliche, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's it really. You know, I heard a lot of friends that have children, of course, and and they've all said that same thing. And until you have a child, you really just kind of go. Yeah, that's that's nice. I mean, I've heard that a million times. But uh, when you hold that child in your your hands and you know that it came from your essence, your not just your action of, of sex, sex with the other your partner, but the actual spirit of your soul. Your parents created you, and now you've created someone else. And so that that chain reaction of life is really prevalent and in your face, as opposed to just something uh, esoteric and out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now, um, sources say that you might have some big news about a Dan Reed Network show coming up, but I'm not sure if you can talk about it on air, so I'll just throw it to you. Yeah, Do you have yeah. news? Well, we had New Year's <laughs> Eve, um, and we haven't played together for 20 years. We just had the, the greatest time together, and, and since then we've talked a lot um, and all kind of reminiscing about how much we enjoyed playing together. Uh, we have no passion or dream to get in the studio and make a new record, but we do miss we missed being on stage together and playing those guitar riffs and that funk and, and seeing the audience kind of dancing and enjoying themselves so much. It was very celebratory music and I think back then we didn't understand that so much. We were just trying to make strong records. But now, 25 years later, we're playing these songs and we're saying, you know what, this is pretty good partying music, you know, this is like people are grooving to it. So, uh, yeah, we're in talks right now about doing some more shows after the cycle of Signal Fire is over. So, so tell me how um, the reunion show came together and how the night was for you and yeah. how, the, how you were the next day. So tell me the whole story. <laughs> well, uh, Blake Sakamoto, the keyboard player, is really a main catalyst behind it happening. He's been uh, talking to me for maybe three years now, mentioning it and kind of hinting at trying to do it. 
Um, we've been asked by a couple different promoters, and it just never seemed to make sense. And plus, I didn't know how it would go and all that. But then um, Bart Haifman, who was the promoter of the New Year's Eve show, contacted me and said, Hey, it's the end of 2012, you know, um, New Year's Eve in your hometown, and we'd like you to come play. And it just seemed to make sense, like kind of the energy shift that the Mayans talked about and if there was any time ever to try to do it, it, it would be that day, you know, the end of 2012 in our hometown and everybody come together and, and see if the energy was right and so on stage it felt perfect, it just felt lovely and felt like we really hadn't been away from each other for that many years. So the next morning after the late night party, uh, <laughs> We woke up and we were, I had a video shoot to do the next day for the UK single in Portland, so I really didn't get a chance to visit with everybody, but uh, since then it's been just great conversations and we're really looking forward to getting on stage together. Okay, um, I explained before that we want to play three songs while we have a chat. Um, any song from anyone ever, but um, I'd assume maybe from, from your career going back to 1990, even yeah. before. Um, do you want to start with one? Um, yeah, maybe uh, there's a song off the first record that people didn't, uh, it wasn't ever a single or anything, but it's, uh, it's one of my favorite songs, which is a song called I'm So Sorry, uh, which was written about a, a true story about a young woman that was uh, gotten pregnant when she was quite young, and I read this story in the newspaper, and she, her family and, and friends really kind of made her feel ashamed of the choices that she had made. So she ran away from home, she was living on the street while pregnant, and eventually uh, took her life and took the, took the life of the child as well. And so this is just a song about uh, really, you know, just trying to be there for people, especially when they're your close family and friends.
G'day, I'm Dave Gleeson. And I'm John Brewster. And we're from the Angels. And we're on White Lion Fever. <laughs> okay, um, there, were, there were supposed to be two games on Friday night, uh, but the whole Bradford game got called off because of an overturned tanker. Um, so there's only one game tonight. It was 17-all uh, Warrington. And we're going to here with Joel Monaghan. Joel, how would you be you ready for a game of footy? <laughs> no. It gets delayed for two days. How, how would you deal with that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the first I've heard of it, actually. I think uh, last year we were close to missing a, a, a Challenge Cup game with, uh, with the traffic, but um, I think they've, uh, with the snow on that here, I think a few games get cancelled. Um, so I think they're probably used to it, but uh, as a player, it's, it's not something you want. You obviously prepare that week. You've got to be playing on a Friday night and you've got to wait two days. So um, obviously, there's the other side. If you want a few niggling injuries, it could help us. So, um, you probably make plans for a Saturday too, like yeah. especially if you're home and have a exactly. punt or something. And Friday night, you get the weekend off, and now you got to turn around and play on a Sunday. It's ruined your, it's ruined your weekend for sure. <laughs> now, um, Golden Point, you don't need it, do you? After tonight, that was a fantastic game of footy. Golden Point probably would have wrecked it. Yeah, probably ended up uh, fitting. I think uh, both teams had the had the chances, and um, you know, I think it went back and forth and. Um, I think a draw was probably fitting in the end, and um, you know, it's a great crowd here and great spectacle, and made it probably ended how it should. Enjoying life over here? You're here for for the long term now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm enjoying it over here. It's um, apart from the, I think the predicted snow for the next three days. So ask me then. <laughs> it's uh, mate, it's been good. We uh, you know, we got a good team. We got the same squad as last year, so uh, fingers crossed we can you know, replicate some of the feats of last year. And uh, yeah, happy here and happy where, where I'm living. Um, mate, it's a good place and. Obviously, Australia's always home, but we get to go back for eight, nine weeks a year, which helps. And, mate, the comp, uh, how's it going? Um, I mean, a couple of clubs have struggled in the past, but maybe things are looking up a little bit now? Yeah. I don't think, know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, obviously, being from overseas, you don't like talking too much about how they run their club over here, but mm. the, the sport, but um, I probably think there's too many teams, and um, obviously there's uh, a few teams struggling, and... Yeah, in the long run, it could end up, you know, if, if you cut a team or two out and strengthen some other teams up, it could end up helping. So, it's, uh, you know, that's not for me to say, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in one of the strong teams, so that's probably, you know, I've got probably a different point than, than some other people, so, um, yeah, I think there's just too much difference between the top teams and the bottom teams, but it's not for me to say. I'm going to throw this jibber in a podcast, which means I can play a song. Do you miss any, what, what Aussie music do you miss? Um... Lady in Red. No, no, I'm not going to play it. It's my favourite song. You see my try scoring song back home. It's, uh, no, 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 I don't know. I don't really listen to music, to be honest. Uh, mate, throw whatever you want on there. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Who let the dogs out?
Frosty from Electric Mary, and you are on White Line Fever. Okay, we're back with Doug Wimbish from Living Colour and many, many other projects. But I do want to ask you about Living Colour now because you've got a, a big tour coming up, and I get the impression it's going to be quite a big year for the band. You know, it's it's it's. You know, I'm really I'm really happy. It's it's looking it's shaping up to be something very adventurous, and I'm very happy to be involved with this. We've. Um, We've uh, taken ourselves off the scene over the last couple of years intentionally so that we could reshape the shape of the notes that we're doing and reorganize our, or our business and stuff and not get too caught up in this system. You know, you know we, so we've, we're rebooting the hard drive and we're up and running again, making a new album. Also, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Vivid. Um, all the, both of these things will be happening and be, being released in... Um, in 2013, starting with the 25th anniversary of Vivid that Sony's going to re-release. And that being said, we're starting off in Glasgow, Scotland on March 8th, the actual uh, tour. Mm. Um, we'll go through Europe first for, you know, just to get ourselves back in the groove, and we come over to America, and we start um, on the West Coast, right, in San Francisco our first day which will happen at the beginning of April. And throughout the year, we'll, you know, we'll do our cycle, we'll do summer festivals, and uh, across the world and in, in Europe and places. Uh, we'll be going to Brazil, other destinations in South America, uh, do the summer festivals in Europe, playing in Japan. Hopefully we'll be coming to Australia. <laughs> I'm very much so looking forward to coming there. Never played the big day out. Yes. Other festivals like that. I can't yeah. wait to get back there. Yeah. And so it's very exciting. We're glad to be alive. <laughs> and we're also glad to be able to uh, do what we do best, which is play music. And thanks to our fans, good fans in Australia, uh, who I run across from time to time, who are always asking when are you guys coming to Australia to visit us. So hopefully both of our dreams will come true and we'll be back in a lovely destination like Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, up in the Gold Coast, Brisbane, places like that. And other destinations, so hope to see you there. <laughs> now, you said um, the the re-release of uh, Vivid. I mean, it's probably going to have some extra goodies on it. With we'll do there'll be a few yeah. other bonus tracks. Yeah. We're, we're just um, you know closing the hatch of that. Uh. You know, um, primarily there'll be two products that'll probably come out. The original Vivid, the way it was, as is a 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Version of songs as it was on the record, and then there's going to be another version which will have bonus tracks on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And more like maybe something that's more elaborate, a box set or something like that. So two two releases from the 25th anniversary of Vivid, and by the way, it's 20 years of Stain being out, which was my interest to the band. So mm. we'll see how that all unfolds. And we're doing a, a studio album which we already started recording. Um, January, actually the 3rd of January, we, mm. we were right in the studio in New Jersey recording a song, um, and. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot of work, a lot of activity in Living Color Land, and I'm very excited. Very excited. You, you said that the band was rearranging the business and also the way that you sound. Can you sort of expand on particularly that second part about changing Let's, the way you sound? And, and then we'll get you to pick a Living Color song if you like for the okay. second song. When, I'm, when I say that, I'm, like right now we've been engaging in, some, in a blues-based environment. Mm. So we're looking in, exploring and doing, a, let's just say, a, a, I can call it blue metal. It's about PLU metal okay. and trying to expand into something that, uh, that we've been influenced by from our early Howlin' Wolf days to uh, Robert Johnson, 
and how that influenced folks from the UK and American bands, or let's just say if I had to mm. say how they influenced, let's just say Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones yeah, or something yeah. like that. What is Living Colors' interpretation or take on that mm. from, our, from our take? And there's, um, to give you a little sneak preview, we did a show at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, New York last year. <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you'll see a, a rendition that we did of Preaching Blues mm. um, that was done to celebrate Robert Johnson's 100th birthday celebration. So there's a little, there's a little idea of what's going on there to give you a little heads up on what's coming. Okay, and a song for the podcast element. <laughs> well, you know, right now, I mean, it's going back to ground zero, just, you know, Cult of Personality. If you're gonna check something out, check out Cult of Personality. If you're a person that wasn't born at that time, <laughs> then uh, you'll realize that, um, there was, there was some, I think there's something that you will find enhanced that will help um, enhance where you are right now by listening to Cult of Personality and realizing that there's four black guys playing rock. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs>
Hey, this is Michael Starr. This is Lexi Fox. And you're listening to White Lion Fever. Okay, welcome back to the program. And we're talking about Saturday's Rugby League games. Um, there was there were two in Super League. Uh, Catalan, 40. Um, they only had 12 men for all but three minutes. Salford, 6. And also it was uh, Wakefield, 36, uh, beating Hull KR, 20. Um, a few games in the NRL as well. well. I'll go through those at the end. But I'm here with Peter Smith from the uh, Yorkshire Post. And uh, we were both at... Uh, at uh, the Rapid Solicitors Stadium last night. And um, now, uh, the fellow who scored three consecutive tries at the end, uh, Ben Kokane, he's, of course, a former whole KR player, isn't he? He certainly is, yeah. He, uh, I think one of the... Although he's from the Wakefield area, he's a former whole KR player, probably not the wisest decision they ever made <laughs> getting rid of him. Um, he had one or two disciplinary issues. Yes, um, yes and I think they, that. <laughs> they got a little bit fed up of it and um, got rid of him. He went to, to Featherstone, which is a lower division team, um, in the Wakefield area, played for them, helped them win their grand final and then Wakefield snapped him up and he's been absolutely magnificent for Wakefield for, for two seasons now and he certainly, every time he plays against Hull KR he looks like he's got a point to prove. Very popular with the Hull KR fans. When he went to Featherstone a lot of them actually followed him and, and went and watched Featherstone um, to support him. They call him Charlie, you can work out why. Um, and he, he made the difference really in, in the end in what was probably a tighter game than the scoreline suggests for a lot of it. Scored three late tries and uh, he's playing well. Now, Con Micah was penalised after half time for something. I mean, there was a head clash, it appeared accidental. Um, I mean, it, was, it seemed to be unusual. And also, there was an interesting exchange at half time about the warning. If uh, there's a general warning to both teams from referee Steve Gantz, and how long does the warning last? Because um, uh, Richard Agar, the coach of uh, Wakefield, sent his assistant to ask if the warning was still in place. But uh, Steve Ganson thought that his assistant worked for the other team because they used to both be at Hull KR. So it was a bit very confusing. That's right, yeah. James Webster, who's the uh, Wakefield assistant, used to play for, for Hull KR. That's how he made his mm-hmm. name over here. Um, and he was sent to find out if Wakefield was still on a warning. Um, and Steve Ganson, the referee, said, no, the warning's off. But he, he thought that he was talking to Hull KR. <laughs> so um, Wakefield, the first time they were penalised in the second half, which was about eight minutes in, um, it was well after their, their warning, but the first time they were penalised, and that had been after Hull KR got three penalties. They had a player simbined, so it was all a little bit confusing. Um, I think both um, both teams were placed on a warning and were, were had a player simbined soon after that. The, the thing is, they've got a new signal for, for a warning over here now with a referee waving his arms around it. It looks quite silly. I, um, I don't think the actual, the actual idea of a warning's changed. It's just we can see that uh, when a team's got one now and, um, and referees, are, you know what it's like when you get something new, referees like to try it out and we've seen quite a lot of that so far. Um, as for the Conmicra incident, if you actually listen to the, um, the audio from the referee, he says that he laid with his head. Um, so that's why he placed on report. Initially, Steve Ganson didn't halt play. He only halted play for, um, for the injury. He didn't actually say anything wrong with it, um, but he obviously got some advice either from the video referee or his touch judge, then placed it on report and gave um, gave Wakefield a penalty. I thought the placing it on report was fair enough. That's what it's for. He's not sure what's happened. But I, d- I don't think it was worth a penalty, especially as he hadn't seen the initial incident. But interesting to see what the disciplinary make- made of it. Because he did go in with his, with his head, but I think that's more poor tackle technique rather than... Uh, 
anything malicious. In actual fact, I think Micah was laid um, a player from both sides out because he was involved in a collision with Lincoln Withers, yeah, yeah, the yeah. first tackle of the match, and Withers yeah. went off. He's got an absolutely horrendous gash in his head. He, um, he went off after 12 seconds, mm. so uh, it was <laughs> quite an interesting game for Micah. And a quick word on the other game, uh, Salford, uh, well, it, it's, it's not going to be a quick uh, road back for them, you know, they had a couple of very heavy defeats in the first two games. Yeah, and uh, next up for them is Leeds Rhinos the week before the World Club Challenge, so uh, they've got a tough start. I haven't seen them yet this season, but they've conceded, I think, 84 points and scored six in two games. doesn't look good for them, and they're, they're way behind everybody else because their, their future is in doubt right until the week before the season started. A lot of the players have left. Um, it's going to be a long, tough season for them, I think. OK, quick run through uh, some scores. Friday, Saturday in um, the NRL. Big game is Indigenous All-Stars 32, big win over NRL Stars 6. Uh, Gold Coast 42, uh, Warriors uh, 34. Sione Lucy uh, could be out for the rest of the year with a knee injury, and he tweeted that he was gutted, G-U-T-T-E-R-E-D. Um, well, the poor fellow, I think, will just blame autocorrect for that one. Um, uh, Souths 38, Papua New Guinea 12. Um, there's a rivalry that goes back a long way, Souths and Papua New Guinea. Um, and uh, North Queensland 28, uh, Brisbane 24. Uh, I always forget to plug a website, whitelinefever.ning.com. Thanks for talking to us, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> Start a fire, it only takes a spark. You gotta get behind the wheel if you're ever gonna drive that car. If you wanna take a bite, you better have the team. If you wanna take that step, then get up off of your knees. Tonight, we're alive Who's there for the restless and the lonely For the desperate and the hungry Down for the count I'm hearing you
This is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. You might know me from Guns N' Roses or not. And you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to White Line Fever. Okay, welcome back. Uh, there were four games uh, Sunday afternoon Super League. Huddersfield 34, London 6. St Helens 16, Witness 4. Hull 28, Bradford 12. And an absolute epic here at, now what's it called? The Wish Communication Stadium, Stadium here in Melbourne. 14-12 yes. uh, over Leeds. Uh, it's a... Uh, I think it's is it a, an eight match? You maybe don't want to be reminded, but you haven't yeah. had a good run for about eight matches yeah. across the off season, and you've beaten the big brother. It must be a good feeling. Yeah, obviously big big local derby for us and uh, Leeds and the, the Super League champions. Uh, we let fourteen players go in the off season. We recruited eight in, uh, so you know we played Warrington last week, and uh, the performance I thought was really good. So this is not a surprise to us. Uh, probably what, what was the uh, surprise has been on maintainer for eighty minutes. Uh, but, you know, we forced a lot of errors and, you know, we're good value for the win too. It was wet, it was cold, the crowd was uh, made a lot of noise and there were some yeah. big hits, weren't there? It was, like, it was like footy going back, well, at home, you know, about 30 years. It was. It's, actually, someone said to me it was a bit like watching the Gladiators. You know, you had these guys just smashing into each other um, and, and the fans baying for blood. And uh, there would be some people probably back in Australia be pretty excited about there was a fantastic shoulder charge by Rangi Chase and the crowd would absolutely berserk, enjoyed it um, and probably, you know, obviously it would be banned in Australia, that, yeah. that tackle. What do you think about the ban in the shoulder charge? Uh, I'm, I'm still big on myself a little bit if you come to contact with the head, you know, it's a penalty but, you know, you know, I'm probably, there's 50-50 on it, you know, I mean, we, we, there's certain things we, we just can't afford to take out of our game, you know, I mean, there, there's certain things... You know, I think Wayne Bennett made a good comment the other day. You know, after the Indigenous game, we're still in the entertainment business. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it forced an error. And it mm. certainly made a, a physical and probably a, a great stand for the players. You know what I mean? Wow. You know, yeah. our best player, one of our smallest, has just put his body on the line. Yeah. You know? So it's... At least the team. Your opponents today are facing up the Melbourne Storm in a couple of weeks. Does this is this neither here nor there as far as that game's concerned? Will make them? I mean, I suppose they were perhaps hoping to rest some players next week against Salford. They might be inclined to use those players next week. Um, if I, I would rest a couple if I was them because mm. um, that was pretty physical there today. Plus, World Cup champion, he only get one chance to be a world champion. They they are the current holders. They're back at Heavenly. Um, they're pretty hard to beat there. They're very good against Hull in the first game. Um, you know, Melbourne are going to have to play very well to beat them. Mm. They're going to have to play. They're, they're a good team, um, but you think they might rest a couple next week uh, mm. because this would have took a lot out of them today, and they should be raring to go against Melbourne. 
Now, um, when uh, there was a, a chance, you know, w- with your goal kicker to uh, to you know level it up and then win, and he missed. Um, obviously, uh, that one at the end it was right in front. Referee, it was a penalty for not standing square. I think maybe yeah. against Jamie Peacock, right in front. Yeah. So the referee uh, showed some guts there, didn't he, to give that uh, match deciding penalty at the end? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I spoke to. The- uh, referees director during the week and I was a bit disappointed in some of the decisions we had against us last week and I said listen you, you put a young referee this week you, you know he's coming to a, uh, a gladiator arena uh, and uh, he said oh, he'll be right I said as long as he's just referees it you know I mean what he sees and he showed some balls at the end there because it was, it was a penalty but you know sometimes you know you think oh no I don't want to disrupt the uh, game and be controversial but you got to rule what's in front of you and, uh, and that's what he did and you know we, we won the ruck and then the, it, was a, it was a bit of a it could have been an interesting one because we'd won the ruck and the hooker picked up uh, we, and we went forward and he knew he was offside to take the mm-hmm. tackle but if he, he, he doesn't award it we missed the chance of going for the field goal. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, like we put our balls in in, in mm. the uh, in that basket, whereas for the other way, uh, so we needed the ref to be spot on, which he was. Thanks for talking.
watching all the pretty girls go by. Oh. I got a white line fever. Going to run, land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever and Dig Michael Monroe Sensory Overdrive, the album, the band. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.